And we are live back with another episode of Aspie Talk. I'm Torrin Kearns, and as usual, I'm joined by the autism sage herself, Mama Baden. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You want to introduce our guest? Yes, I'm excited. So today, um, I was fortunate enough to meet Ryan. I told Ryan I hear his name often. Um, and so Ryan is a friend of yours from a class. Ne- never right? in good context, by the way. <laughs> no, that's not true, Ryan. <laughs> Wait a minute now. Come on. So Ryan is back with us. I think Ryan did an episode on Ask Me Talk, correct? Our, t- our top our top rated episode of the of that we've ever put out, actually. Yeah. That's yes. why we had to have you back on because like, like, damn, this this dude gets clicks. So everybody <laughs> loves what Ryan has to say. I love that. Love it, love it, love it. Thank you for joining us again, Ryan. My pleasure. Yes. Do we have a particular topic we're talking about? Or are we just like? Uh, not really. I just, well, the first time we didn't either. And I guess mm-hmm. we probably should have like a topic, yep. but I kind of like our conversations just mm-hmm. sort of freewheeling. Yep. So plus I figured Stacy, you'd have some, cause we don't, pl- we don't put a lot of planning into these episodes, but I figured you'd have some questions and stuff that I didn't ask during the first episode. So uh, you want to start us off? I do. I do. I do. You know, Ryan, um, one of the things that Torn and I have been talking about is putting together um, a course for parents who have teens or kiddos wanting to go to college, right? Um, Everybody talks about all the little kids and what you do to get them in school, but nobody talks about how do I get my kiddo either like ready for college? Or do I ask them if they want to go to college? Like parents don't always see that when they get a diagnosis, right? Like parents get a diagnosis and they, they don't think about that's a possibility. So I would, I would really love, um, and, and for context to the listeners, before we started recording, uh, I was chatting with Ryan and found out that he is in school to be a, a zoologist. Is that sort of the terminology or? I do have a degree in zoology. It's a bachelor's of science. Perfect. Well, look at that. He's already got a degree in zoology. Was was in school. (laughs) So I, you know, I would love if you had any insight into, so let me start with this. One of the things that parents don't think about is college when they, when they have their little children, right? They think they're going to stay little forever. Is there something that you felt your parents did or your teachers did or whatever was going on in the environment that gave you sort of that, I'm going to go to college, like this is what I want to do and this is what I'm going to strive for um, and you got it done? Hmm. I, in my case, I knew what I wanted to do for my life. Mm-hmm. I knew, I already had an idea of what my career was going to be. Mm-hmm. And I knew I had to go to college to get there. Mm-hmm. You know, just, you don't just graduate high school and go right to a zookeeper. You need college experience first. Yes, exactly. And did you share this with your parents when you were younger? Absolutely, yes. And were they supportive or were they like, oh, you should choose something else? <laughs> uh, no, they're pretty supportive of it, honestly, yeah. So that actually is the definition or not the definition, the answer to my question. 
parents supporting their children's ideas, right? Even if you don't understand it, if you don't have any idea what a zoologist does, um, I will say when my little one was two, he was really into dinosaurs, right? Like dinosaurs, dinosaurs, and he would watch these. Yes, yeah, so were you, Ryan? Except you were way older than two when <laughs> you were into dinosaurs. He uh, was... blame Jurassic Park. Blame Jurassic Park. Exactly. Okay? And so he was like, "Mommy, I want to be a paleontologist." And I'm like, "I don't even know what that is. What do they do? Like, what do they do?" So we look it up, and I'm like, "Ooh, boring." But that's what he wanted to do. Now, that's not what he wants to do now. But when he was little. And I got everything paleontology, dinosaur oriented to sort of like foster whatever he might potentially become. So in regards to wanting to be a zoologist, wanting to do things with animals, what are some of your, I guess, like greatest memories of having experiences with animals as you grew up that sort of just kept that spark of this is what I really want to do? Well, being in New York City, we're fortunate enough to have four different zoos and an aquarium. So I was able to just bounce around each of those and see like pretty much all what nature has to offer. Because mm -hmm. you get a little bit of everything when you go to each different zoo and the aquarium. Yeah. That always helped going there every year. Mm -hmm. Did you have pets growing up? I had a bunch of pets. Oh. I, at various points, I've had a guinea pig, a rabbit, a snake, a frog, a lot of cats mostly. I, I have to tell you, guinea pig is the only animal that, I mean, even I can even tolerate a white rat. Guinea pigs just look like aliens to me. And I'm like, they're not from here. They just look so, and maybe it was like a Disney movie that I saw once where like this guinea pig was doing something. But every time I see guinea pigs, all I see is like a little alien furball, right? Like just not of this world. And there's all kind of others. There's all kind of strange animals, but for some reason, a guinea pig, it's probably the only thing that I'm like, uh, I'll, I'll have like snakes and lizards and mice and not a guinea pig. Don't know why. Oh, but they're super affectionate. They purr like cats. I know, I know. They didn't not put two of them in the same sex in the same cage, or is that hamsters? That's hamsters. Guinea pigs, you're supposed to have multiple because they're very social. Ah, got it. And hamsters, you can if they're from the same litter, but even then it's risky. They're so territorial. Yeah. I always had a pet in my classroom for my kiddos. Um, a pet that was like low maintenance. <laughs> yeah, they put they put a pet in our classroom. That thing would be dead in a week. <gasps> no. We had a gerbil once and I had my student, I was like, oh, we have to name the gerbil. And uh, we like were throwing around names. And one of my students said, Jumble, Jumble the gerbil. I'm like, oh, okay. So why is it Jumble the gerbil? And he came up with this, and this is one of my autistic students. He came up with this rationale that I was like, okay, I don't get the connection, but sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> so it was Jumble the gerbil was the name of the gerbil until his demise or her demise. Not really sure. So, so was it natural causes or like because the no, way no, you no, say, it, yeah, it just hmm. died. It just died like hamsters die. It yes, made it sound like it, it, it like got run over or something. No, 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 no. They it's only live like three years. They only they yeah. don't live very long. Yeah, they don't live very long. They don't live very long. And and, and and Ryan, what? So there are a bunch of different like animal related fields, but for as long as I've known you, you wanted to be a zookeeper. Why, particularly mm -hmm. a zookeeper versus like a paleontologist or? Uh, or a veterinarian or something like that. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, zookeeper always felt like I would be able to put my best foot forward. Veterinarian is a lot of extra education. There's a lot of stuff I don't know if I'm personally ready for, if I'll ever be. Paleontology involves a lot of teaching. When you're not digging up dino bones mm -hmm. in the summer, you're teaching. And that's just not something I saw myself doing. So mm -hmm. I just kind of zeroed in on Zookeeper. Because I can literally just interact with animals all day. And at the time, I didn't realize how much public speaking you'd have to do. But it's fine. I'll do it. I think it's the same thing with archaeologists. You're not digging, you're, you're, you're teaching. And what is, I actually forgot what my next question was. Oh, um, so as you, like I said, we don't rehearse these ahead of time. I come with these on the spot, which probably is not the best thing, but I like it anyway. No, it's great. Why animals? Like what has always drawn you to animals? Because mm. a lot of autistic people I've noticed end up working with animals. There's just something about them that, like, animals for the most part are not too difficult to figure out. They, mm -hmm. they have, they want three things, food, shelter, and something for talk about when you're all 18 or over. So <laughs> <laughs> they're very predictable. That's for sure. Yeah. Humans are complicated. Humans mm -hmm. will say things to your face and then lie behind your back. They're harder to figure out. I've actually heard that from other autistic people who work with animals. I've heard that exact, when I ask them that question, they all give pretty much almost verbatim the same answer. Mm -hmm. I think and Steve Irwin said that too. He said something along those lines. Yeah, even, even if you talk to folks who are introverts or people who have like, you know, 100 cats, it's because they've either had lots of trauma with human beings and it's just too much work or it's just easier. Human beings are a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Like, we're a lot of work human beings are oh, yeah. very complicated <laughs> very complicated I would like to know in regards to the zoology component so is it and I'm talking about this because you know hopefully there are listeners with kids who are showing an interest right in animals and thinking about how can you sort of drive your kiddo into knowing that this can actually be a tangible career right what is the difference between so is a zoologist only work in a zoo or can they also work at the aquarium or at the insectarium? Zoology is kind of broad. Yes, you, mm -hmm. can, you can work in a specific type of animal field or you can work in a zoo or aquarium. It really just depends on your experience and what kind of path you choose to take as you're becoming a zoologist. Is it a hard field to get into in terms of job availability? Is it people get jobs and you have to wait 20 years till they retire or is there, are there lots yes. of, ah. yes. it's very competitive because yeah. people who get this job, they love it. You don't become mm -hmm. a zookeeper for a paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a lot of work for just a paycheck. So people do it and they love it. And you just mm -hmm. kind of, kind of wait, maybe someone will transfer or maybe you kind of start low and then get promoted up. Something like mm -hmm. that. That makes sense. Like, and Ryan, I, I think I've shared this meme with you. You know the uh, the the cow the caterpillar meme that I like to have every, that I like to share every once in a while, right? So there's for for those of you in the know for for those of you who don't know, and it's hard to sort of describe a meme because it's 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 a it's visual, it's a visual sort of cartoon, but it shows like that caterpillar from like the little kids' books, and it has like the speech bubble. It says. When I grow up, I'm going to be a beautiful butterfly. And then there's like a speech bubble that says several poor life decisions later. And it's just a moth screaming, lamb. So oh my, my question God. is, 
you went to school for zoology. You graduated in 2014, right? Yeah. So what were the several poor life decisions later that led to you becoming the moth? Just like I became the moth. What, what, what were your life decisions? How did you become the moth? What, what happened? We, we all are moth at some point. <laughs> well, to be serious for a moment, I know it's hard, but try and bear with me here. Uh, there's a lot of things college doesn't prepare you for. There's a lot of things that you're kind of expected to just know on your own or you're kind of asked out. Like if I, if I wanted to do things differently, I would have stayed, gone to college in the city and then tried to work more at the zoos rather than going upstate where there's nothing. But you can't just get a degree and go into the animal field. It's too competitive. I didn't know that at the time and I'm still biting the bullet for that basically. That makes a lot of sense and that's really insightful. So what I'm hearing is that um, you chose and, and went on your path and finished your degree, but you didn't have the opportunity to actually have lived experiences working with animals where the college was. And that put you at a disadvantage? Yes, more so than I initially realized. Where's the nearest zoo to where we went to school? <laughs> Syracuse. Jesus Christ. So a 45 minute drive, give or take, depending on the weather. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a shelter, city, I think, in the, the town, but that was about it. There was an exotic shelter. I tried to go there, but I didn't. Ha I don't have a car, so they didn't accept me. Yeah, because out in the middle. So we, we went to school in the middle of nowhere, and neither of us can drive. We're from the city mm -hmm. where like you can walk faster than you can drive thanks to the yeah. traffic. Mm -hmm. But where we went to school, there's just one bus that runs like once like every 24 hours, exactly three in the morning, and it goes 100 feet. And so you pretty much have to have a car or walk and it's a big city so mm -hmm. it sort of limited you to whatever was on campus mm -hmm. and our campus looked like a scene from like fallout gotcha like everything we was old and run down and the sun never shined and yeah one of those places not the sun uh, didn't shine i do want to mention one thing real fast if anyone is interested in the animal field get your driver's license yeah Please get a car they care about that a lot Trust me, they do. They they're gonna ask you for it every time if you have your license. Because oh. they need you they need you to drive like the little golf carts around. You need to have your license for that, apparently. Oh, look at that. See, anybody who wants to be a zoologist, want to work with animals, you gotta learn how to drive. Interesting. See, I wouldn't have thought about that. What's your what's your favorite if you if you were to get your dream job at the zoo, which animals would you want to to work with? I'd want to work in the Bronx Zoo's reptile house. Oh. Give me all them big snakes and crocodiles. Bring it on. Oh, ooh, the crocodiles. Crocodiles are interesting creatures. And, 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 and the Bronx Zoo has this cool, like, interactive thing where there's a stretch from the subway to the zoo that's about five blocks where you have to, like, run to avoid getting shot. It's like, it's like VR, only real life, because they built, the, they built it in the middle of, like, not just the projects, but the projects mm -hmm. on one side and then housing where they put convicted criminals just got out of prison on the other side. There's like a five block straight stretch to the zoo from the subway station where you basically <laughs> have to just whore ass to pray to God no one pops you. So it, it's like VR. It's actually really cool. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I don't recommend going off the beaten path. Go straight to the zoo if you're taking the train. If, oh, anything, yeah. go, if anything, go to Fordham 
and like get the bus and go through the Ford entrance because that's a little. Yeah, bit you're right. That's that, that entrance is a lot safer because you know, Brian, you know the entrance I'm thinking of the one from 180th Street on the two train. 180. If I was making Tremont on the two and five, like that's just oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. too. Well, that's the area. It's Tremont, but um. Yeah. So, so I will say for all the listeners that are not from New York, it's like you guys are talking a foreign language because we're like, what 280, the 180, what street? Because if you're if you're not subway savvy, that's like such a foreign language for those of us who don't live in New York. True, true. All, yeah. all you guys need to know is the Bronx Zoo, which most people have heard of. Mm-hmm. It's this big ass zoo. It's built in the middle of the hood. Like because the gotcha. land's cheap there, so the area surrounding the zoo is is a very very high crime, very dangerous area. It's literally in the middle of the Bronx. They put it right in the middle. Oh, yeah, right. It's smack dab in the middle of like just the Bronx. Yeah, like think like the Bronx is burning, like that documentary. It still looks like that. What would be um, from your zoologist perspective? Uh, what would be the if I'm thinking about either a classroom or thinking about kids who are interested in having a reptilian pet, what would be the most maintenance pet that maybe parents should, not really sure. And what's the least maintenance in regards to reptiles? Because I know a lot of kids do want to have reptiles, but sometimes it's a little bit more high maintenance because temperatures and all these other things you have to like consider. Right, right. In terms of low maintenance, bearded dragons are the best option. Really? They're very docile. I've seen people just walk around on the street with bearded dragons oh, hanging out yeah. on their shoulder. Because mm-hmm. they're chill, so kids can play with them just fine. It's really hard to get one to bite you. In terms of temperature, they're not in an extreme type of a maintenance mode. Mm-hmm. And they're easy to feed because they're omnivores. So you don't always have to give them live food or something like that. Ah. I did not know that. And, and I have several folks that I know who have bitter dragons. One of our teachers had one and she would bring it to school and it would literally sit on her shoulder while she taught. It was the kids loved it. A bearded dragon is less maintenance of most of the reptiles. Uh, yes. And another one I'd recommend actually some snake species like corn mm-hmm. snakes and king snakes. Mm-hmm. They're, they're pretty good low maintenance too. Cause you don't have to feed them that often. It's really just like once a week, once every couple of weeks. I love corn snakes. My son wanted a corn snake and he was supposed to get one when he was, I think 12 or we made some kind of agreement. And then I got into a relationship with my wife and she hates snakes. So it was either snake, no girlfriend or (laughs) I chose, I chose relationship over snake and my son's fine. He probably wouldn't have even taking care of the snake. I think it was like a, <laughs> sounded like a really great idea when he was younger. Um, but I do love snakes. I love snakes. I mean, I, I don't, I just love reptiles. Or, I, I don't, like, oh, no, yeah. none of that. Nope, nope, nope. And nope. And nope. Some more. Do you have any I, more uh, zoology questions before I, I uh, steer the conversation off? I will end oh. with this. I'll end with this. Go ahead, Ryan. Oh, in terms of high maintenance. Yes. Uh, you you want to avoid chameleons or anything like them. Oh. Chameleons are very high maintenance. They're very nervous, mm-hmm. so they get stressed out really easily. Ah. You can't you can't touch them because they absorb liquid through their skin. So they'll absorb whatever oils or germs or anything you got on your you have on your hands. So you got to clean them very carefully. Huh? That and they're very know. they're very high humidity, so you would need a constant mist basically. Gotcha. 
They're so cool too. They're really, really super cool. I will, I will in my zoology um, segment with um, just sharing with you, Ryan, I lived in Puerto Rico and in Puerto Rico, they have, and I'm not exaggerating, these gigamongous frogs. Like when I tell you like gigamongous frogs that come out at night and they have the little cokey frog, but these are giant frogs and they're all over the place at night feeding. You can do your walk and you're walking. They do not move. Those frogs look at you like you want to go around me because I'm waiting on this bug. <laughs> like they are, and it is so weird because it looks like if you stand and you look out, you can, it looks like plops of dog poop, right? And then when you get closer, you realize it's just big giant frogs everywhere at night to feed and they do not budge. They just sit there and look at you and you just know, I guess I'll walk to the right and go around the frog. Cause normally frogs in the States, when I see a frog, they usually jump out of the way. They typically um, don't stand their ground. Well, thanks. I think that's really good insight. Thank you, Ryan, for sharing, because I do know a lot of kids are, are interested in those things. And I think we don't know some of the dynamics and anyone who has a teen, that's good to know driver's license experience. Um, so thank you, Ryan. No problem. So me and Stacy are working on a project that we haven't announced yet, but it is going to involve teens. So I have I have a couple questions. Uh, and she sort of started us off a little bit earlier on this, but what was your experience looking for a college? A lot of, because you knew what you wanted to do going in, which is more than a lot of people uh, who, who, who attend college autistic or not. But what was your experience? Since a lot of uh, parents are looking for secondary education for their autistic kids and they have a lot of concerns, what were some of the things you were looking for? Was Did your autism play a factor in it? Um, if it did, what were sort of the things that you had to look for? Uh, I feel like I maybe could have done more research I was just focusing on reputable schools that had degrees I was looking for. I think in the end, my top three schools came down to Oswego, which I ended up going to, SUNY Oswego. Stony Brook, Southampton, which had a really good marine mammal division. They got shut down. So mm -hmm. that, that went out the window. And uh, Hawaii Pacific University in Honolulu, Hawaii. Huh. That's a range right there. You went from Upstate yeah. New York to Long Island to other side of the planet. And in climates, not... too, because upstate New York is basically Siberia and Hawaii is an island climate. Yes. Were there things that you felt you had to consider in regards to either sensory needs or just having ex accessibility to things around the university that decided that helped you with your decision, should I say? I didn't really think about that part too much. Mm -hmm. In the end, my college choice came down to somewhere that was far enough away that I could be on my own, but not so far away that I felt like I was stuck there, mm -hmm. which is why I didn't choose Hawaii. It was just too far away from home for me. I didn't yeah. feel comfortable at the time. Yeah. And that makes sense. It is expensive. It's really expensive. Well, also, when, when me and Ryan were looking for schools, we're a year apart. When, when we were looking for schools, that was before uh, sensory needs got invented. 
So, so, so we, we were looking around like 2011, 2000, 2011, 2000, 2010, 2011 in that ballpark. Um, sensory needs didn't get, didn't get invented until a couple of years ago when people started to acknowledge those were a thing. So I'm being facetious, but unfortunately yes. we, we, we didn't know what the fuck that was. Yeah. So we weren't so we weren't taking stuff like that into account. Which and is our school didn't tell us either. Our school did not help with that part at all. Our school didn't well, our school didn't do well, we'll get into that in a minute. Our school, our school did yeah. we went to a special needs school, it didn't do shit to prepare us for college. Like nothing. Gosh. Do you think that's because they just don't ex- have the expectation? Yes. And that I'm was a big saying- part of it. Yeah. And I'm not saying that college is the route to success. I mean, that's not what I'm saying. You know, there are definitely different routes to success. College is not a guarantee and everybody doesn't need to go to college. Like, I mean, I, I have to say, I have several people that I went to school with that didn't go to college and they are like, you know, making way more money than me and all of my uh, credentials, but I just love school. So that just, there's no way I would have done it differently. You know, so Ryan, I guess what I'm really just intrigued by is your school setting when you were younger didn't foster the expectation that you could go to college and have a career. Do you feel that your personality is just, I'm just that person that none of that impacts me? Or did your family support counteract that lack of expectation in the educational setting? Well, when I say they supported me, I don't want to seem like it was 100%. They told me you don't have to graduate in four years. They kind of made it seem like there was something they felt I could do. So everything I kind of did at a certain point was just out of spite. Because at a certain (laughs) point, I'm like, no, you may not believe in me. I believe in me. I'm going to get this done. That was what it was, honestly. Sometimes you just got to pick pick yourself up. You got to drag yourself across the finish line. Yes. So your motivation is proving them wrong. That's a big part of it. Yeah. I love it. And there are some people that is motivation on this podcast all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes and and a lot of people don't want to hear this, both parents and autistic people. Sometimes you got to get up, go to the drawer, open the drawer, find that box at the back of the drawer that has your nuts in it and strap your nuts on and just get it done. Sometimes you have to do that. Um, Or put your big girl panties on. Exactly. I think we just said that in our in our last recording, which will yeah. probably come out, might come out after this one. We're not sure. But exactly. Gotta sack up. And what was your experience with and we're not gonna name names, we're not gonna name names of teachers or school or whatever. What was your experience with the school and the guidance counselor in terms of quote unquote helping you find the college? Because I, I believe we, we've had different we had a bit of different experiences. What was your experience? Well, the guidance counselor for me was basically kind of, I mean, she didn't really help that much, but she, I also didn't feel like she was against me either. She wanted me to go to college. It's just, she was, she felt I should stay local, which probably did have an influence on my decision to stay local. But. <laughs> to not stay local, you mean? Well, the guidance counselor wanted me to do CUNY. And I'm thinking to myself the whole time, if I'm going to college, I don't want to stay home. I want to go somewhere and kind of see yeah. the, and, and CUNY is the City University of New York. It's the it's it's the it's the colleges that are funded by New York City. Yeah, there's like fifty of them or something like that. Yeah. New York City is a huge city, so there's, there's, yes. there's at least like two dozen of them. But yeah. um, and that was different from my experience, where we had the same guidance counselor. My guidance counselor not only didn't help me, not not only didn't help me, 
but like she actively tried to persuade me not to go to school or if I did to go to community college. And I was very insistent on going away to college for, mm-hmm. and we I've talked about this on this podcast, I've come out of a very abusive household. And I, I believe I told a story on the podcast where she only relented once she called my dad and my dad screamed at her and screamed at me. And then she realized, oh, and this is on speakerphone. So the whole hallway heard it. So she realized only then, oh, he's trying to go away to college because his father's, his father's a dick and they don't get along. But it's like, I have to be embarrassed like that and have my dad scream at her and me for her to trust that I knew what was best for me. Because they're like, no, no you can't go away to school because you're, you're, you're all retarded. Because our school had this policy of the best we could hope for is go to community college and we really work hard and dot our I's and cross our T's. We might end up with a job at McDonald's. No offense, McDonald's workers. That was considered like the ceiling for us. Yeah. Yeah. And it was. Wait, it, it was I, have, really I have a fast. story. I have a story I want to tell real fast. Uh, our school mascot, I don't, maybe I should say it. Uh, they were called the uh, White Tigers. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Because. Like white tigers, we were not expected to survive without help. That was their expectation for Really? The head of the school literally said that to all of us in middle school. And I'm like, wow. Okay, then. That's what they feel about us. Yeah, she told me the same thing. And I I asked the, the, the the director of the sports department. They said the same thing. So this is, they didn't hide this. This was, this was common knowledge. They tell you if you ask. So basically, we, we, we were basically, we call the school Norland. That's not the name, but we, we were basically the Norland retards, for lack, of, wow. for lack of a better word. Like, even our mascot was a reminder. But yet, at the same time, they would say things constantly like, just because you're in special ed doesn't mean you're not just as good as public school kids. Mm-hmm. So here's a little tip. If you got to constantly remind somebody they're just as good as the average, you're telling them they're not average. Yeah. What's really interesting about that is goodness. So the white tiger. So the phrase was that it's white tiger because you're not expected to survive on your own. Yes, because white tigers cannot survive in the wild. They don't have camouflage. They stand exactly. Yeah. They have a genetic defect that makes it so they always need help. Yes. So part of that for me is like, like, okay, it kind of makes sense in the terms of, but of course their message was portrayed wrong. So it's, their message was you're like a white tiger because you can't survive on your own, which that meant they didn't have any expectations for you to be independent. But at the same time, I feel like, and I tell parents all the time and teachers, autistic students and autistic individuals can go out and become who they want to be with supports in place, right? So it's kind of like, but their perspective was that you just can't do it without somebody doing it for you. I don't think that they were thinking, am I just overthinking this? No, 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 no. No, We get what you're saying. But like you said, that wasn't really their message. I would understand if it was a message of, yeah. we need a little bit of extra help. Exactly. We have different neurology. Their message was, well, you're we not putting any expectations on them because they won't be able, someone will always have to do stuff for them. Exactly. And unfortunately, this is like, this is before neurodiversity was invented. Yeah. And but- so, so that was, that was, that was a big issue. But, um, Stacey, you know what part of the episode it is? 
You know what party app so it is. It works for my sponsor? Yeah, so we have a uh we have a sponsor, uh the lip sponsor. Yeah, the the Where's my sponsorship money, damn it. It's the uh we'll cut you a check. It's the Lipschitz family of autism curing products. Oh lord. So they gave us an ad read. Ooh. Yeah, I, I, I love when they do it for me. I hate when they make me write the ad reads, but sometimes they'll just have me they'll 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 just write it for me and save me the work. So I really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. So Ryan, you you know about burnout, right? Autistic burnout. Which I'm currently in the middle of, yes. Yeah. Well, what if there was a product that could help with that? Ooh. Really? I'd sure love to hear about it. Yes. So check this out. <laughs> burnout can be a nightmare for autistic adults. It's been well documented that autistic adults are more fragile than their peers, making it difficult for them to keep up in the late stage capitalist hellscape we call the economy. But now there's hope for those lazy, weak-willed individuals. Introducing Lipschitz Cocaine Pops. Ooh! Lipschitz Cocaine Pops Pops are clinically proven to to increase alertness, decrease executive dysfunction, and eliminate idleness. Our patented formula works by pumping that autistic individual with enough uppers to kill a rhino. There you go. Struggle to wake up on time? One cocaine pop will keep you up for 24 hours straight. Struggle to meal prep? Our cocaine pops reduce hunger by over 1,000%. Never on time? Fuck the stairs. Jump out the window. With Lipschitz cocaine pops, you'll barely feel pain. And get this. They're not just for autistic people. Lipschitz cocaine pops are the official cocaine pop of former President of the United States, Donald J. Trump. Lipschitz autism curing products giving you back the child that never existed. I love it. And that makes so much sense because, you know, when people are snorting cocaine, they get a lot done. Exactly. Like it's, yeah. it, it, it's, it's perfect. It can help us compete because as you know, uh, burnout is a moral failing, like not being able to work hard enough, being poor is a moral failing. And everyone should pull themselves up by their bootstraps, it, mm. except for except for wealthy uh, CEOs and bearings. They can get bailouts from the government. That's fine. That that's cool. Of course, of course. really, really. Yeah. I, I thought being poor was a capitalism failing. You know, society failed. No, no, no that's that, that's because see, that's because you're a communist, Ryan. No, no, no. It's a, it, it's it's immoral failing on, on on all of us, except if except you're wealthy. Like we can throw seven hundred billion dollars at Boeing, whose planes keep spontaneously falling out of the sky. That's fine. Because they're successful, you see. Yes. So, autism cocaine. So, um, Lipschitz uh, cocaine pops can help sort of level the playing field. That's why. That's why when they reached out to us to be our sponsor, they have all sorts of products. We did a. Uh, what was the last thing we did? We did a uh, palate expander. The palate extender. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's a uh, injection we had on the last episode. It's an injection that you inject your kid because you know how autistic people have very narrow uh, palates. You inject mm-hmm. your kid and it makes all the foods they like taste like molten garbage. So they have to eat more. Mm-hmm. Where the founder actually, the, the founder came up with the idea of what happened was he uh, purposely tried to get COVID so he could dominate the virus. And then after he got taken off the ventilator, he lost his sense of taste due to long COVID. And that's where he came up with the idea. They have um, uh, MCT oils. Because mm-hmm. as you know, keto cures autism. So basically uh, it the, the MCT oil basically 
makes the autism gene slippery. So then, so it just shoots out your body. Yeah. So they, they have all sorts of products. That amazing, are amazing and company. Autistic people. Yeah. Not, af- not actually have to like put in the work to be productive. Like yeah. the little extra work you have when you have, when you have a disability, instead of putting in that extra work and just sort of bullshit your way through life, like how most people do. Mm-hmm. So we, we really appreciate that company a lot. Yes. And Ryan, obviously you... it's all satire. So, so Trump doesn't sue us because he sues everybody apparently. Oh, goodness. Hey, if he's heard of you, you're doing something right. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh my gosh. Ryan, did you, um, you just mentioned autism, autistic burnout. Did you have a lot of experiences with that with college and the pressures and routines of college and being on your own? I mean, most kids struggle the first year of college in general because it's new and it's, you know, they're responsible for themselves now. I definitely felt that way my first year Mm because I was just trying to get to know people. And uh, I've had a struggle with college roommates, to say the least. Mm -hmm. So it meant that I had to kind of have to just go out and talk to people, which that's scary, even for most normal Mm -hmm. adults. And I definitely experienced it my final year because I was my major had a lot of credits. So I was taking five classes every semester. Mm -hmm. It was just wearing me down by the end. I barely passed some classes. Mm-hmm. Cause it was just too much. Yeah. Science is never easy. His, his major, we, we talked about in the first episode, his major was tough, but mm-hmm. he mentioned something in passing, but I think it actually can, can be important. You have about the, so in, in most colleges, uh, if you don't choose your roommate, uh, you get a random roommate mm-hmm. and you've had both choosing and getting random roommates. You've had about the, you've had about the worst roommates you can possibly have. Like your luck is, comically bad how did how like as someone who who at least used to have some social struggles how did you navigate having for example his one of your first roommates uh i think it was your second roommate he would constantly kick you out so he'd have sex with his girlfriend just being honest like with a little warning yeah like just at all hours of the day even in the middle of the night just just, just to kick you out so he could have sex with his girlfriend which happened at least two or three times a day mm-hmm. And then we were roommates and we got into the whole fight thing, which you talked about in the first episode. So that was rough. And then you ended up with another guy who was um, weird. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, how were you able to, with so much like disruption in your schedule and so much like social drama, how were you able to still be able to focus on your work? You were able to focus on your work and get shit done. Like, how did you pull that off? Uh, it's just about finding an alternate space where you can just tune out the world and focus. For me, that was the campus library sometimes. Oh. Huh. I mean, it only lasted so long. I ended up getting a single for part of my final year just because I was tired of dealing with people. You got, you got <laughs> no, a you, one. You mean, you mean, you mean your parents hate her single because that, that would cost more money. And that's something I'm not saying just to break your balls. I'm saying it because for parents... In pretty much yeah, all colleges, yeah, yeah. if you want a single, it's going to cost significantly more money, unfortunately. So you, if what I'm hearing correctly is, Ryan, you're saying that you used to use the library to have a place to focus, and then at some point you moved out of a dorm with a roommate into a single room by yourself? Yeah, yeah. I, I just Sometimes you just need to crash. Yeah. And you don't want to risk something going off the roommate. You just want to go in and just... <sighs> yeah. I mean, if you know your roommate or you have a good relationship, it's fine. But 
I didn't. Mm-hmm. So it was worth begging my parents to help me out with the single. And, yeah. and what are some tips you give to people who can't get a single? Because I don't even think you could. I think you have to be like a junior in our school to even apply for a single, even with all the money in the world. So, so you have to be in the school for at least two years. What are some tips to parents or autistic people who are in college or parents mm-hmm. of college age autistics who they have to have that random roommate? What are some of your tips to make sure that their needs are being met? They're having time. They're making time for them to de- for themselves decompress. They're finding spaces. Like, what are your tips to 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 keep themselves sane, basically? Uh, you got to keep yourself grounded. You got to find something that you enjoy doing that you can just put off the struggles for a bit and just like sort of recalibrate yourself. You basically need like a, a something to do or someplace to go where you can decompress. Mm-hmm. For me, that was my dorm was right behind the lake, so I just went down to the lake, which is beautiful. Oh, that is nice. That is nice. Yeah, it, it was one of the Great Lakes. I think it was Lake Ontario, like they called Ontario, it. Ontario, yeah, yeah, it was Ontario. Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking of, of the lagoon, that the crappy lagoon with all the all the frogs and stuff. But I forgot we were on we were on we were right on the shores of Lake Ontario, which one of the five Great Lakes. Mm-hmm. So it, it was nice when it wasn't snowing or raining or whatever. Which was every day in December, but <laughs> uh, I believe Oswego only had forty-two days a year of cloudless of cloudless skies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a very cloudy. The climate was very dark and cloudy, pretty wow. much all year round. We had winter, spring, wow. summer, fall. There was like. Two seasons well, and maybe season, a little bit Season of the other. and season of uh, fall and spring lasted like a week. You essentially had two seasons: sweaty balls and frozen balls. Wow! Yeah, I like that scenario. That that uh, that's a. I, I really get it when you say sweaty balls and frozen balls. Yeah, it will go from it will go from thirty degrees. Yeah. To sixty in mm-hmm. forty-five minutes, and vice versa. Where did it go? <laughs> Oh, well, something I do now is, uh, mm-hmm. not sure if you can see it well, but it's painting. Oh, yeah. He's hold- for, for those of you listening, which is all of you, because we don't have a YouTube video, uh, he's <laughs> holding up a painting of a something. <laughs> it's of a something. It kind of looks like a sun, but the, it's the sun's ray stretching out in the space. Yeah, it's you cool. You can look at it like that. That's something I like to do nowadays, every mm-hmm. once in a while, when I just need to create something. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that helps. I think it's just a little bit. I think it's important for, and I'm sorry I interrupted you, Ryan. My brain sometimes works way too quickly. Um, I I think it's important for every individual, but specifically, like you said, to if you're going to go away to college, to find that leisure activity, hobby, or something you can do on your own that kind of you can immerse yourself in that kind of just gives you that time to decompress. I think everybody should have that, but I, I think it probably is really important for, for uh, um, autistic individuals, especially college. I, I wanted to share with you all, and you might be a little surprised to hear this, but when I was in college and um, you said, Ryan, you went to the library to focus and, and get your things done. Um, we had a library and I would go to the library to study I guess. And um, it was literally like going to a social event for me. And to the point where I was banned from the library 
for talking too much and talking too loudly because all I did was, oh my gosh, hey, <laughs> or like, this is not why we're here. And I'm like, oh, I thought we were just all hanging out. Yeah. So the library for me was not a focus area. It was too much of access to socializing, access to people, because I'm such an extrovert and I talk to strangers. We had that in our library too. Um, I'll tell this um, to save us some uh, PR issues. So there was a group of students called the EOP students, which stands for mm -hmm. the Educational Opportunity Program. Uh, basically, they were students who were underprivileged, who got uh, scholarships and grants to go to school as part, of, and they had to do like certain programs and community service and, and stuff like that. And they tended to band together. Now, almost all of them were pulled to New York City, mm -hmm. which is important because New York City doesn't have poor white people. Like mm -hmm. straight up, they don't exist. Like in New York City, if you're white, if you're white, you're at least upper middle class. So they're all like black and Hispanic. And that's the reason I'm telling this story. So they would all band together, go to the library, and just make a shitload of noise. And just annoy everybody. And they would act particularly, some of them even said they'd act particularly like ratchet, just because the college demographics were so white. We were in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Very conservative, a very white conservative sort of redneck both area. And then so were the student body. So they would make just, Everywhere they went, just noise, 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 mm -hmm. noise. And I don't know when you would go to the library, Ryan, but when I would go to the library, it used to be at night. They would be in the 20, they had a 24-hour study room. They'd be in the study room just being loud as fuck, and it was annoying as all hell. It happened to me a lot, especially my final semester, because I was in the library constantly mm -hmm. working on the computer there, because I also needed to print out papers and stuff. So yeah. I had to be in the library. At a certain point, it's it's kind of whatever, they, you know. What are you well, gonna I do? At, I apologize for being the disruptive one, but that was me um, until I was banned. So I, you know, Ryan, I had something that I wanted to ask both of you, but I just thought about our listeners. It might be really good to. I don't even know what the question is. I mean. I'm thinking from a parent perspective, education perspective, some perspective, some of our listeners might be thinking, how do you go from a special school to a college degree? Because a lot of times that's not like you don't get a diploma or people think you don't have the credentials to even go into college. Like, how did that work for your situation in terms of because I know there are parents out there that are saying you can't go to special school and still go to college because people really think you can't. They don't think you have, or some of the schools actually communicate and tell parents you won't be able to go to college. Like, and so they push inclusion, which I'm not saying inclusion is bad, but sometimes it's not, there's no supports in place. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I guess in my case, my first semester of college was basically, my first year really was adjusting. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. you need that. You need to take some time to adjust to your surroundings and kind of just get your bearings, basically, because you're in a whole new environment. You can't ever expect yourself to just be one of everyone else right away. Mm -hmm. So did you all graduate from your, was it a special school, special needs school, special school, and you both received a high school diploma? 
or was yeah, it? Yeah, we, okay. we got high school, we got a high yeah. school diploma. We took all okay. our state tests and things like that. Got it. Got it. Okay. So we so, were, sorry, I mean to cut. No, no, no. So I'm just trying to think for you know what parents. Um, so I guess it's because one of the things that that you know parents have to decide is what route now they're pushing. You know, it's different than when I was a speech therapist. Now you have to choose the route for your child. Are they going towards a high school diploma? Are they going towards a GD? Are they going towards a certificate of, you know, whatever it is a certificate of? Um, and that limits opportunities to go to college. Um, and it has nothing to do with a child's intellectual delay. It's just what, wherever you live and what they have to offer. So do you guys have any insight to help parents sort of navigate, like making those choices and, and, because it's it gets kind of mucky um, with the paperwork part. You want to go first, Ryan? Yeah, I guess if I had to have some advice, you shouldn't go to college just because someone told you. Mm -hmm. College isn't as helpful as most people will make it seem. Like if you're doing math or sciences or doctor or anything like that, yeah, you have to. But you, not everyone needs to go, and you need to. And if you don't have a career path in mind by the time you get through high school, you don't need to go right away. Take a gap year, you know, figure mm -hmm. yourself out. It's, all, it's better to have an idea, a plan, and then execute than have an end goal in mind and figure out how to get there. Because yeah. if your goal is just high school degree or just college degree, you're going to lose out on what you need along the way to get there. You're going to mm -hmm. be too tunnel vision. That makes sense. Oh, I, I like that. And another thing is, so with our school, we had, it was a special ed school. So there were no regular education students, but we had, we got a high school diploma mm -hmm. and we did take some of, in New York, they're called the regents tests. So state tests that you need to, to, to get in the university. Mm -hmm. We took the SATs. Um, my class actually, so the class after Ryan was the first homeroom where every single person uh, was because they used to have two tracks, a regions track and what was known as an RCT track, mm -hmm. which is sort of a watered down version of the regions that they gave you. Mm -hmm. And used to be sorted out into ninth, you came in the ninth grade and they would sort you into like an A class and B class. The A class was a regions track, which meant some of the people in the A class might actually make it to college. And then mm -hmm. the B class was RCT track, meaning most of them probably aren't going to college and they are. It's going to be community college where they're going to take one class a year and lift their parents to 35. So that was how they viewed it. Mm -hmm. My class was, I think, the first homeroom where every single person uh, was regions track. And oh. we all ended up with our regions diploma, which meant we passed the requisite number mm -hmm. of regions. And we all ended up getting into universities. Mm -hmm. What I will say is this. We need to stop mystifying higher education likes to be on end all. And mm -hmm. also most higher education. So if you're a freshman, it, it's 13th grade. It's basically what it is. Like we went to now our school was sort of like a middle of the road school. So it's known as a safety school. Mm -hmm. Basically, it's, you put it on your application in case you don't get in the school you actually want to get into. Mm -hmm. So it, it wasn't a bad school. It wasn't a great school. Mostly kids had like average intellect. Uh, it's I, I've referred to it as go away camp for young adults. I've also said it was a drinking campus with a college problem. Yeah. yeah. So the education level, the actual academics were not that challenging. Mm -hmm. 
the courses weren't super hard, depending on your major. It was more, there were kids who clearly were special ed, but they were from upstate New York. Mm-hmm. And in upstate New York, it's a real, it's really rural. When people think of New York, they think of like big city, liberal. Most of New York is actually rural and very mm-hmm. conservative. And things like special education haven't been invented yet. So what you get is people who are clearly autistic, like clearly autistic, who got mainstreamed through their very poorly run public school system in whatever bumblefuck county they're from, and then managed to, to get into Oswego. There were there were people with schizophrenia mm-hmm. in that school. Yeah. Like we saw all sorts of things. I showed up there. I'm like, this is like being in special ed again. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. so. This idea, we need to sort of demystify this idea that like higher learning is like you see on TV. I think we're poisoned by all these like shows about like dear white people, for example, where you see these disadvantaged kids going to Ivy League schools. No, most of us end up in the Swigo. Mm-hmm. We end up in community college and middle of the road schools where community college, in my opinion, is actually better because you get like adults there, returning mm-hmm. ed students who actually like give a shit. If you go to university, they're there to party, they're there to drink, they're there to make friends. That's what I went there for. I went there to get away from my dad. I went there to party. I went there to get laid. I did two out of three of those. And that's why, that's why I I, I don't know. I just, I just wish we would stop acting like, oh, you, you graduate college and and you went to college. That's such a big achievement. It can be, for example, I'm one of, I'm the only kid on my block to go to college because I'm from Mm -hmm. the projects, but it's not really that big of an achievement. Not Mm -hmm. really. The bigger achievement is than paying off all your college loans after you get out of school. (laughs) That's an achievement because you're basically selling yourself into indentured servitude to be able to go to these schools so you can learn nothing and have a degree that's worth less than toilet paper. Mm -hmm. No, I know college is overrated unless you're going to something very, very specific. Like a doctor right? or a lawyer or a teacher. Yeah. You I also feel like, you know, when I think about it, I mean, you know, when I was in college, I didn't think about it as much. Um, but I'm like, why did I have to take, like, why am I paying to take classes like Louisiana history, world history? It's the same history I took when I was in high school. I'm not yeah. learning anything new. Like, why am I paying to take classes that I've already done before and of course, you know, I know it's about money, making you stay there longer, opposed to if I would have just gone into the math sciences and the speech pathology courses I needed, you know, it probably would have been much better use of my time. And we learn things in high school, even our crappy high school with no expectations. Mm-hmm. This is it's more of a test, it's less of a compliment to our high school, and more of a testament how bad public school is. Yeah. We learn things in our high school, our special ed high school, that like, the kids who in college who come out of public school didn't know. Like yeah. we knew how to use research databases, things like that, that they, they did not learn. So some of the mm-hmm. stuff, there were times I was sitting in class and they were going over stuff. I went over senior, junior and senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, why am I here right now? Yeah. And these kids were, they were public school students. That's how bad our public school is. And as a result, college has become a joke as well. Yeah, it has. Do you guys remember the electives you took in college? Oh yeah. Some of them. Yeah. What was your favorite elective? Oh, I can't remember the name of it. It was a music-based class. Uh And the first day, the professor was like, yeah, this is an easy A class. This is an elective you take for an A. Like, right out of the gates, he's telling you that you're just here for a grade. That's so funny. That's that's one word for it. The professors don't care either. 
like that, especially if they get saddled with like a, a, a general education class. Mm-hmm. And and Brian got screwed. What happened was our school had more general electives than like any school in the state because they really want you to stay there. And um, then like yeah. two, and then Ryan took all the eds. And then after we'd taken all of them, they came out and said, so by the way, we're cutting the amount necessary in half. So a bunch of the classes he took ended up being useless. <laughs> like they, they didn't count, like they counted towards credits, but like mm-hmm. he didn't have to take them. Yeah. 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 What was yours, Torin? Oh, I took a, well, remember there were like, you had to take like seven or eight. No, mm-hmm. had, yeah. More than that. Yeah. You had to take like, is six or seven like just gen ed general education classes. We had to take uh, computer science 101. I had to take uh, what what else did I have to take? That's the one you and me were, were in. Uh, I can't remember now. We had to take a computer science one that I really hated, a math one that I never passed because I dropped out of school. So he graduated school. I ended up dropping out. But um, which is which is another thing that uh, maybe another time to talk about is. Not all of us end up with degrees. Me yeah. and Emery, who's been on this podcast, yeah. we're both college dropouts. We're doing fine with our lives, but we're college yeah. dropouts. Um, I took a math class, which I never met. I failed twice. Well, I, I failed once and dropped out of, of one of the classes. Uh, we had to take like a, a philosophy class. Yeah, I, I, take, that, I, yeah. Take two, I had to take a logic class, which is like philosophy of math, and then I had to take what? a regular philosophy class. You guys, your, your electives... That is like some. That's almost like core. Yeah, it's like what, what it was. We had to take a. We had to take a, a foreign language. So I took Spanish, but I ended up dropping it after two weeks because, like, the first day of class, it was in the middle of a blizzard, so everyone missed the first day of class. So we were already behind the eight ball the whole class. So, uh, they, they mostly sucked. Um, so my electives included: I took a jogging class, I took a tennis class, I took a karate class. And I actually took a camping class and made a B, even though I was like super Girl Scout primitive camping all over the place. And I made a B because of some bullcrap stuff. But when I think back on it, I'm like, I paid money to take classes that were of no substantial benefit to my career. It's less what- that we paid money and more we were extorted. <laughs> well, we're I like, will you're say, taking, it's like like we're yeah. taking this money yeah. and you're taking this class, or you're not, or you're not getting a degree. Like exactly, there's no that, option in this. That hey, make I'll, you I'll take camping over computer science. Any day I know the they, they the, make you pay um pay for graduation. I mean, I was like, I don't want to walk for graduation. They were like, No, you have to walk. I'm like, I don't want to walk. I just want to get my diploma. They're like, You have to walk, and you have to pay this fee to walk. I'm like, Didn't I already pay for the classes and earn my degree? But it's funny that you say extort. It it's extortion now. For I'm older, of course, than both of you. When I went to college, college is ridiculously expensive right now. I mean, it's just it really is just ridiculous. I went to college. My dad wrote a check for eleven hundred dollars, which covered tuition, dorm fee, and my um, eating in the cafeteria. Eleven hundred dollars. Like that is. One class now, or a half a class now. I don't even know. Our what- school was twenty-one grand a year, and and we wow. went to a cheap state state-run school. We didn't even go to a private school. Wow! And it was twenty-one grand a year for for everything you just described. Probably more now. This is ten was years. Was it? Ago. I think Henry School was like 
35,000, something like that. It well, the, was one, the one he got into, he ended up going to, I think Henry ended up going to to a city school. So he, he played less than all of us. But then, and then when people are like, oh, why can't people just, they do took out loans, pay it back. It's like, well, because it's we have so to take much. out loans to afford college because it's ridiculously expensive. It's called interest. It's called interest. Yeah. They charge you more every year. You don't pay the whole damn thing off. So exactly, and you and you take out and also and this off topic completely, but it's annoying. But it's it's kind of important, especially for autistic kids, where you're presented with a bill for more money. They say, "Oh, just sign this loan for more money than you've ever seen in your life." So so you can't comprehend what a hundred grand looks like. Like yeah. you can see it and know it means a hundred grand, but you don't have a comp because you've never had close to a hundred grand. Yeah, and it's particularly tough for us autistic kids where we're, we tend to struggle with, if we can't see it, mm-hmm. we don't, we can't really comprehend it. Yeah. You get what I mean? At least I had that issue. So I don't regret anything I did, but it, it, it can be an issue, but I feel like mm-hmm. we're starting, starting to uh, trail off. So I think, I, I think we should, we, we should uh, bring it home right now. We're at about an hour, which is awesome. We tried to cap these between 45 minutes to an hour or about the length of a long trip to the toilet. So we're pretty much, we're basically, we're into like Taco Bell after a night of drinking territory in terms of length. So I have one last thing that I would love to know from both of you, and you can choose to answer or contribute or not, because I think it's important for listeners to know so that we can be alert and and parent and educate and therapy with intent. Do you all have any one person or one incident that you recall that whether it was when you were younger school or, or in college that it really shifted the way you felt about being able to accomplish things. You know how people, it's like, oh, you know, that one teacher, I remember when she said, and I thought, ooh, I can, right? I mean, I, you know, have those experiences. But do you guys have anything that you remember that it was kind of like one of those moments of, I think I can, I really think I can because this happened or someone said something. Well, I need to think about it. So you go first. Okay. So for me, um, hmm, I would say, so when I was applying to colleges to stay on that topic, when I was applying to colleges, um, I applied to one school. I was applying to be a journalist and major. So I applied to one school. um, I'm not going to say the name. We've known nothing bad happened, but it wasn't the school I ended up at. But I applied and I got in. It was the first school I got in, and that was that. That was cool to be able to get an acceptance letter, letter to a university because I had everybody, my dad, the school telling me I was going best I could hope to do was community college. Mm-hmm. And after I got in, I got a call from the head of the journalism department at the school because I'd sent them my portfolio, I'd written for the school paper and stuff like that, and he was really impressed by my writing. So we called and I put him on speaker. My dad was there and she said, we're really happy to have you. We hope you choose to come to the school. We were very impressed by your writing. And we really think we, we really think you're going to have some big things ahead of you. You're very talented. Mm-hmm. And I ended up not going to the school because I'm an idiot. I ended up going to Oswego so I could get drunk all the time. And because, and because Ryan was there, if I'm being mm-hmm. honest, but having that moment of, the head of a department calling me because I'm saying because in Swigo, the head of the journalism department sure as fuck didn't call me to congratulate me on anything. But um having them call me and then it was on speakers. My dad heard my dad started crying. 
Because ah. my dad, as we talked about in the podcast, my dad had zero expectations for me. Mm-hmm. So to see him crying because he couldn't believe that, like, I was actually, I, I was actually doing something. Like I was going to school and and I was talented and people were recognizing my talent. And you never thought a day like that would come. Mm-hmm. That was a day that I would say meant a whole lot to me. Just the validation from from this complete mm-hmm. stranger and the validation of my hard work. Seeing my dad cry. I would say that that sticks out to me. Yeah. A, a, a moment like that. How about Thank you, you for sharing, Torin. Oh, this is kind of hard because I don't remember many instances of people showering praise onto me like that. Well, you know, it it could be, it could actually be something where somebody says, you know, you're never going to be able to do this. You should this instead. And that is a significant moment where you shift and say, oh no, hell no, I can't. Like sometimes the moment's not someone cheering you on. It's like someone makes a comment and says you can't. And you're like, well, I, I should, I, I, I do want to share this thing. Mm-hmm. For my junior year, I had an evolution class. And as part of the class, you have to write a research paper. Mm-hmm. I remember that. The professor hated my first draft. It was very rough. He called it sophomoric, like high school sophomoric. And uh, that was like a, like a big motivator for me, like get better at it. Mm-hmm. And then I turned in the final paper and he gave me an A minus. So he was really happy with it. Mm-hmm. And he was he was a strict teacher because I remember I read the he didn't just say it was sophomore he 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 took a shit on you, and I had that professor too for one of the gen eds. This is mm-hmm. this is this was Rosenbaum, right? Yeah. His name was Rosenbaum. We called him Rosenbaum, and he was just really old. He was like 110 years old, and he spoke like this, and he walked with a hunch, and he looked like he was pretty much going to kind of think, think like Joe Biden. Like, he looks like he was just going to kill, kill over at any point. Ah, Yeah, he was very strict. So I, I was actually, before you said, I was about to say that, that was a moment where, because I was there when, when, when you got the paperback, I saw how excited you were, Ryan. And that, that for you was a big validating moment, because I was there, and I, I, I saw your face. I saw the sort of joy and the sense of accomplishment you had. Oh yeah. Moments in life, those moments. Thank you all for sharing that. Uh, so if we're going to bring this home, anything you'd like to say before we get out of here, Ryan? Yeah, I guess one more thing going back to college, and that's been a mm-hmm. topic here. College can be a struggle. So don't feel like you have to focus on getting a perfect GPA. Because most places are never going to ask you what your GPA was. And if they do, that should raise a red flag. I'm not saying go out there and barely pass, but don't worry about it. Don't feel like you have to be the smartest person in the room. Getting it done is what matters. Exactly. When you go for a job application, they just want to know your experience and if you have a degree. Nobody has ever asked me for my GPA. Now, of course, if you're trying to get into grad school, PhD, or you're trying to get into med school, yeah, you got to consider that. But you just need a piece of paper. That's what I tell my boys. Just get your piece of paper so you can have doors open. And and I will end with sharing that story in terms of for my boys, because they are black males in America, I think my children definitely have something to offer the world and definitely have skills set that they can contribute. Um, however, I do also know the reality that 
if my son who has wonderful communication skills, which I'll say he got that from his mama, but his daddy's pretty good at it too, but he could definitely be someone who could, you know, be a broadcaster or be a sports announcer. He's just really good with communication. And I tell him, if you don't have the degree, the piece of paper in anything, you may get a job offer. And just because that's part of the criteria, they won't be able to allow you to take the job, even though you're the best candidate, because that one thing in HR, human resources says you have to have a degree. And, and for me as a mom of you know black males in America, that is something of a reality that I understand that they may have all and everything, but that may get in the way of them being able to take an opportunity because they don't have it. Um, so you're right. I tell them, just get it. I don't, I don't care what you get it in, just get it. Right. Um, and you know, in all honesty, my children, well, one of my kids, but it's not like they have a talent. They're not writers. Right. So it's not like they can do something that doesn't, you know, they're not, you know what I mean? Right. It's not like they have something creative talent that they can do if they don't have a degree required job. I don't know if I'm really explaining that, but I no, think no, you all I, understand I, what I, I mean. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, it'd be different if it was like, oh, you know, you're really good at like, you know, design. It's like, oh, I'll just go ahead and do it. You can do that without, but there are certain things that unfortunately, um, sometimes it's just an HR issue where you are qualified and you're talented, but HR insists on you having this one piece of paper, which you know, can be annoying because it's not always really meaningful that you can do something, but that's my last two cents. And I know we're going over time. I apologize for not wrapping no, up. Said, we're, good. We're, we're, we're in the reins of uh, Taco Bell after a long night out of drinking. It's, it's a, it's a long trip to the toilet. Last thing I'll say is since we're, we're talking about school, it's okay to drop out. Like straight, yep. I know I'm not supposed to say that. And parents nope. are like, why are nope. you encouraging my kids? I think it's okay. It is, if you're struggling yep. and Yep. You're not in a field where mm -hmm. you desperately need a degree. Like, if you're not a doctor, teacher, lawyer, if you're mm -hmm. not in those fields, accountant. Like, I majored in creative writing. You don't need a degree to do creative writing. It, it can help sometimes mm -hmm. if, you, if you want to be a professor. If you want to be a professor, that's teaching, so you have mm -hmm. to. You don't need a degree. You don't. You can yep. learn stuff off YouTube. You really can. If yep. you're struggling mightily, and this is not hundred percent what you want to do with your life and it's not going to benefit mm -hmm. you it's okay to take some time off it's okay to drop out yep. don't struggle because you think you need to have that degree that's I agree. That, that's that's the last thing for me no um, thank you torn because the in the end it's all about your mental health it does you no good to excel in something because society expects it and then you're a mess perfect so let's get out of here all I'm right good. thank How about you, you Ryan. thanks for thanks for coming thank Ryan. you See ya. Hey guys, if you want to follow the podcast on social media, find us on Twitter at Shifting Autism. You can follow Stacy on Twitter at Autism Sage and Instagram at Everything Autism. Follow me on Twitter at TK underscore Aspie, on Instagram at Autistic underscore Author, and on Facebook at The Autistic Author. Thanks for listening.